Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, and he's trading the 59 sound for the 35 millimeter, whatever that means. It's Benny Horowitz. Who? I don't even know what it means. We've been hacked. <laughs> We've been hacked. It's the, it's the Australian government. They figured out the passwords. I don't know what to do. But Danny, you've got me intrigued. I was going to come in here talking either about my fantasy basketball teams, which are all in the playoffs, uh, or how much I hate Deshaun Watson. Hmm. But before I talk about any of those, I heard you came up with the perfect retirement plan for me. Oh, yes. So, you know, we... We talk about side hustles off air all the time. Like all the time. Like what when we make our oodles and boodles of millions, what we would do with it. I got the That's perfect right. thing for you. So remember okay. a couple of weeks ago, went to Quentin's Tarantino's theater, talked about real genius, right? Oh, remember yeah. we talked about mm-hmm. that? The perfect side hustle for you is to somewhere in New Jersey that has a cultural thing, buy a movie theater and program it. Well, and then have some of your friends program it that are in the arts also. And, you know, just have a nice, uh, like, vintage movie theater that maybe wow. sells merch and has events and stuff like that. Your, your side hustle. That's kind of a great idea, Denny. That's yeah. like a real great idea. Because, <laughs> um, you know, what automatically pops to mind is, like, I, I used to have some good friends who who managed a movie theater in Summit, New Jersey, mm. downtown. Yeah. It's the reason I got to watch uh, Anchorman <laughs> like four days before it came out holding a 40 ounce, which was one of the best <laughs> nights of my life. But uh, as I recall from, from talking to them, the really expensive thing in the movie process is obtaining the reel-to-reels mm. to like major movies. And apparently it's even harder these days because of the deals like, you know, the big movie houses have with the big movie theater houses. So I think to be an independent movie theater is more difficult than it used to be if you're trying to stay contemporary. Yeah. So this idea of like, I can't imagine asking to run real genius (laughs) on the big screen for three weeks is going to cost me an arm and a leg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm starting to think you have like you have somewhere to play music, somewhere to sell some cool stuff, a little record store in mm-hmm. there or something. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you get you got the gears turning. That's a pretty great idea, Danny. What is your matinee and then your night double feature and then your midnight showing? Four movies. Oh man, this is tough. Um, all right. So matinee, we want to keep it like kind of light yeah. and you want it to end well and maybe for be some for reason, the kids huh and maybe be for the kids yeah oh it's gotta be for the kids during the day mm-hmm. yeah that's true maybe i'll do like uh a double shot of say like the sandlot stacked on rookie of the year Ooh. like something like that yeah. we'll do like a sunday like baseball theme there <laughs> for the kids as you said yeah and then getting into the meat of the night I'd say we'll stick to the topic early early evening would be uh, real genius. We'll do that segment. Then for the main picture, okay, the eight o'clock showing yeah. will be oh my God, why <laughs> oh I hate my old brain. I hate my old brain. Hang pump up the volume. Okay. 
Okay, my eight o'clock show is gonna be pump up the volume. I'm gonna get people worked up, wanting to tear things down a little bit, but a little corny and a little back in the day. Great music, you mm. can tie it into music. And then this one is easy. Midnight showing a shaft. Oh yes, oh, all day <laughs> long. That's when. That's when. Like I'll break out the bar yeah. of the movie theater. Maybe we'll have like a theme, like we'll only serve brandy. <laughs> like something like that for the shaft showing something classy ask people to dress up a little bit mm. you know like make it like a little bit of a like a college theme party yeah like a like a gala affair so yeah yeah that's 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 my roundup i love that i love that so much anyway and all all cheap films to procure yeah. i think and so. the awesome thing about quentin's thing concessions like four bucks for twizzlers and like three bucks for popcorn and is he selling like hot food and shit or just classic? Oh, we got some hot food. We got some uh, White Castle sliders. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's Maybe I could get a little thing with the Taco Bell. Oh, yes. Maybe I could have like a Taco Bell Express in there. Mm, something like I that. I love this. I love this. It's going to be... It'd be messy. Messy in a movie theater. Just mm. like a food court on like the side. You know what? <laughs> you know what? We'll work with Taco Bell and we'll get one like one or two perfect, nicely, tightly wrapped burrito options yeah you know so we don't offer the whole menu just like like real finger food you yeah know? i love it i love it i oh. was surprised that that you didn't throw in like because like my matinee uh-huh. I, I think yeah you have a do you have a lineup oh yeah 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 of course what I, is it what's I, your lineup so your matinee right uh-huh. you have stand by me i feel like you could bring the kids it's also like a fun thing it's a crier kid, it's a you crier. remember what that's about oh yeah 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 but it's important to see it's important to see. It's fun. Y'all want to go see a dead body? <laughs> um, and then your your double feature at at, at night. Uh, here's where I keep it music. You go almost famous. Star yeah. is born. Okay. okay. Oh yeah. Boom. Love that. Uh-huh. It's and nice. Th- and then your midnight showing. Um, oh, you go Goodfellas every night. Goodfellas wow. midnight. I got to say, one theme to all your films. Stop. Sans like, almost famous. A lot of death. <laughs> a lot of death in all your movies. Just, you know, the first one is about a dead body. What can I say? Then A Star is Born, which I believe ends yeah. in a suicide. It doesn't end great. Uh, <laughs> and then we're going to finish the night with Goodfellas, <laughs> where like 1,200 people get murdered to Eric Clapton playing guitar. By the way... I don't want to spoil anything. Have you been watching Winning Time, the Lakers show? A little bit. I'm Wasn't... catching as much as much Jerry Buss as I can. Oh my gosh, John C. Riley is Jerry Buss. This is one of my favorite things. He's I don't ever know it. that He's I need. He's killing it. But I have no idea if it's real, but I like it. <laughs> was not expecting it to get very mafioso, but hey, I guess it was the '80s in Los Angeles or '70s in Los Angeles. So seems like if you wanted to do anything past a certain point, you had to start greasing someone at a certain point in this country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Benny. Do you know what Talking segment about Greece? greases us, greases <laughs> up the show every single week? It's this day music history. Do, 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 do. You know, we usually stay away from birthdays, mm-hmm. but on this day in 1942, Queen Aretha Franklin was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole Aretha Franklin thing. But what I did find was some fun stories, which I think uh, maybe illuminate who she was a little bit. 
First one is this. In 1993, New York Post columnist Liv Smith, a columnist, said Aretha Franklin must know she's too bosomy to wear such clothing, but she doesn't care what we think, and that attitude is what separates mere stars from true divas. And guess who pens a letter to the New York Post in response? Aretha Franklin, saying, how dare you be so presumptuous as to presume you could know my attitudes with respect to anything other than music. Obviously, I have enough of what it takes to wear a bustier, and I haven't had any complaints. <laughs> I'm sure if you could, you would. When you get to be a noted and respected fashion editor, please let us all know. Aretha Franklin. P.S. You are hardly in any position to determine what separates stars from divas since you are neither one or an authority <laughs> on either. It's like, ouch. I love that. That's like, that's like the original like uh, social media burn, yeah. you know? She, Here's the second story I liked. Okay. In 1998, she had to step in for Luciano Pavarotti, who was too ill to sing at the Grammys. Now, this is like maybe the most famous voice like internationally like there maybe has ever been. And apparently she, uh, she gave it a shot. She said she would try. The producer went to Aretha saying, please, please, please give it a shot. And all she said was she wanted to hear the dress rehearsal. So in those days, they used a boombox and a cassette. They brought it back to her backstage after the dress rehearsal. She heard it and said, yeah, I can do this. And then sang uh, Pavarotti at the Grammys on, on half a day notice. Wow. Then the last one is fun. Apparently, she was obsessed with having fireworks during her concerts. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she, she was at um, a show in 1995 where she saw some and then demanded fireworks at all of her shows ever since. Wow. So rest in peace. Queen Aretha Franklin, your music lives on forever. Do you think that she was like, oh, Tina Turner? Like, I'm better than this person. Like, I can have fireworks at all of my concerts. <laughs> you know what? Like, I mean, it's, you know, I'm just having this conversation with our mutual friend Howard Beck about mm. this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, he's convinced that you have to have a certain level of, like, you know, ego and bravado in order to be a superstar athlete. And when you get to the level of like Aretha Franklin, like fake or not, staged or not, you got to hit like a certain point where you're kind of chopping heads in your mind, you know? So, yeah, I do think she had the attitude of uh, if this person can do it, why can't I? Yeah, you kind of have to yeah. in her position, you know? All right, Benny. I have one that is uh, you maybe have to look back to maybe look at Benny's future. I don't know. <laughs> On this day in 2000, InSync set a new world record after selling a million tickets in one day for the group's upcoming tour, netting about uh, $42 million in one day. So, I don't know. Of which they made $25. Cents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we cut the Spotify story today, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were not seeing that money at all. But, no, no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of coin. It's a lot of coin. It's uh, Good songs, you know? I like the InSync. Yeah. Enough to uh, afford a couple divorces, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, wait, that was completely unnecessary. Woo! All right. 
Then he's uh, spitting fire today. <laughs> you park around Jersey City right before you come on, and oh, bound to have your fangs in for sure. I gotta say, I'm learning a lot about what not to do when you know the production gets rolling. Just don't oh. interrupt people's daily lives. <laughs> yeah, just, just yeah, don't yeah. do it. I'll tell you the story of when uh, when Snooky lived on my street in Jersey City. For oh, a she few lived months. on the uh, yeah. All right, well, Benny, let's talk about let's 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 move to our first headline today, shall we? Please, uh, please. We've talked a lot about artists selling their catalogs and what happens after they pass away, and we're starting to get some answers about uh, a one particular estate that we've talked about a bunch, the Prince Estate. And mm. coming to Chicago, starting this summer, the immersive Prince experience put on by Superfly. Superfly is the group uh, responsible for, you know, if you've been in major cities in the past couple of years, you've seen the Friends experience, the Office experience based on the sitcoms. Uh, well, they're doing one for Prince now, and this is set up in conjunction with his estate. Uh, the 10 different spaces are devoted to Prince's life, creative evolution, and original sounds. Uh, there's also rooms devoted to... Uh, Purple Rain, Paisley Park Work Studio Place, and an audio-visual dance party designed by Prince's lighting designer, Roy Bennett. So a bunch, including his outfits, are all going to be on display. You know, this brings up a interesting kind of uh, thing when you have estates going up against an artist's wishes, because clearly when Prince wasn't alive, this wasn't his M.O., but now mm -hmm. that his image and likeness is in the hands of his estate, you see different stuff happening. So all of that brought together, Benny, what do you make of the Prince immersive experience? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think my sentiment was quickly yours. You know, I go through this article, and sure, it seems well-curated and interesting, and, you know, they always make the attempt to check the boxes like, oh, the estate is involved and uh, we got his lighting director, you know, who like, God knows what that person's doing, you know, like that could have been the first call they got in like 15 years and they're like, oh, work, <laughs> you know, like who knows? And so, um, you know, so they checked all the boxes in order to like make it look okay. But it, my first reaction, especially for an artist like Prince is I get a little tingly about it where I don't think the artist himself would have enjoyed this. And uh, I mean, essentially all accounts of Prince come like secondhand, these sort of like mythological stories from other artists and things like that. And they're all kind of like, you know, amazing and you know, prophecy like and He's graced these people with like these interesting 10 seconds that they'll never forget. There's this cool like mystery to Prince. And I think something like this, like I'm going to go ahead and assume uh, pulls back curtains that he would have never pulled back as a living artist. Um, and I also got this same feeling watching this. My wife's been watching the Andy Warhol diaries on Netflix. And, you know, when I hear you know, different voices, not his own, and these really personal diaries that have been unearthed that are, like, combed through word by word by these, like, Warhol files. And um, it actually, like, scares me. Like, I have old journals from, like, touring when I was 18 and 19 years old where when I read that shit back, I was like, oh, my God, you were insane. You know, I'm saying the craziest stuff. And you would think this guy's going to kill himself that day, you know, like, and even though like, sure, it was semi happening at the time. Is it something I want to die and even like 
let my kids read. Bleh. I don't know. Like, like I might get rid of this shit, even though it's this like super personal thing to your life because I'm semi terrified of like what people can do with, with you when you're gone. It's weird. Not to say anyone's going to curate a fucking museum for me. Uh, I'm just more talking like my kids reading through my shit being like, Oh God, I need Xanax. I'm excited for that to be my like, 70s and like 80s just curating the benny horowitz museum oh, you're, you're gonna have so much uh like i have hours and hours of him of talking and all sorts of shit about real genius for why do you yeah. talk about real genius mostly for about hours? something called real genius that like seven people watched yeah oh yeah but i think it's kind of sad too i think it's gonna be fun for the for the public but i think you know when you look at uh you know like the prince estate and even his like television appearances i mean uh th- there was this like mythic quality to it uh I, one of my favorite things on tv ever is when he was on like new girl for like and like episode right. and just hearing about uh you know him just like coming in and coming out and like disappearing and the moments yeah. he gave people That's um right. You hear these Paisley Park stories. Everyone's got this, like, I got an invite once, you know? Yeah. So I guess this gives that kind of experience to the masses. But do we really need that? I don't know. Nah, it's like that Ocean's Eleven thing. like, I shook hands with Sinatra. You shook (laughs) hands with Sinatra. We're supposed to know something, you know? We got to have some some of that mystery still around, you know? I love it. Well, speaking of people that probably shook hands with Sinatra, thank you for the segue. Let's talk about Dolly Parton. She probably, probably shook hands did. with Sinatra. Yeah, I assume. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe a kiss on the cheek. Oh, careful. Uh, we've been talking about Dolly Parton a bunch recently, and there's been the latest back and forth with her and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, the icon has requested to withdraw herself from the 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot, saying, I don't feel like I've earned the right. Um, she goes on to say, I really don't want the vote split because of me. And in essence, uh, she says, because she hasn't put out a rock and roll album, she shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which um, I don't know if she's ever visited or knows a lot about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I don't <laughs> think Jay-Z has exactly put out a rock album either. So wow. do you think that this, I mean, okay, you could say with Linkin Park, okay. But uh, what do you make of uh, Dolly Parton bowing out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because she has not put out a rock record? I, listen, I'm a, I'm a Dolly fan. Yeah. You'll never you'll never hear me saying things about this. But honestly, I heard this and the way she was um, or the way she presents herself and, and attempts to present herself. I appreciate the sentiment, but I really wonder if this is a, a political statement of mm-hmm. some sort. I think Dolly Parton, I think she's given like a little tip of the cap to the other side because she stays on the line and has so carefully towed this line over the years that I think she had a bit of an opportunity to give like an olive branch to the country people, to the Southern people, to the kind of that part of her audience that I think they sometimes think this new version of Dolly is spurning them. So I think she had this little opportunity here to do that. I don't blame her either. You know, she, she's one of those artists who's managed to, keep everyone in the fold. And that's a difficult thing to do. I can't believe, especially as a woman so far back in the day in the industry, she's probably had to walk on numerous lines to get to where she was today. I don't blame her, but I think it's like a Bubba Clinton move. 
You know, I think it's like a, a like I'm looking for your votes in the Northeast, but here's my tip of the cowboy hat to you people down there, you know? Wow. So what you're saying is that, you know, we talked about her being at South by Southwest and the Dollyverse and all that stuff. She's like, all right, let me give give back to the people that are all with that's my right. coat of many colors. Wow, that's an interesting take. I love that. I honestly thought when I brought this story up to you that, that you'd be like, this is awesome. She's more rock than anybody because she said F you to the establishment. I thought that was the take that you were going to take, but uh, look at you, full of surprises today. <laughs> what do you got? Any other you surprises? Uh, none for <laughs> you, pal. All right, so then let's hit a tune-up sweet spot. Uh, team Anthems. And I know you know, when you go through the uh, the list of uh, uh, teams over, over the years, there's uh, we love L.A. the the Lakers. Um, you get one of my favorite uh, Milwaukee Bucks, green and growing. Uh, mm-hmm. But a team and a league that I'm very familiar with, uh, Angel City FC in the NWSL, has a new anthem called "Running with Angels" uh, from Grammy winner Brittany Howard and Tia P. Uh, they debuted the track at a Jersey reveal. Uh, event this past week in Los Angeles. The team is co-owned by Natalie Portman, Jessica Chastain, Becky G, and Venus and Serena Williams, along with a bunch of others. But for a league like the NWSL, uh, this is a massive moment as they continue to try to climb up the ladder uh, and kind of get toward the the WNBA and other sports leagues like that. But the bigger question that we face here on the tune-up is with sports anthems kind of having taken a backseat because they've kind of been corny and embarrassing... Will this bring back the sports anthem? I mean, like like we said on text, this is a murky water. Yeah. Because for as this attempt was good. Yeah. I like the song. It's in sync with like the team. It feels good. I could see people getting worked up. I'm like, good job executing this. But I feel like for every good one you get, you get something that's just like the worst. Like, you know, it sounds like... um like, like people in high school with a podcast theme, you know, it's just like these, you know, cause how do you tap into it? You know, each producer from 32 teams has different tastes. It's the same way like record labels work. You can't just put artists together and be like, you're going to get a kill a song kid. Like this is, this is where you're not, you're, you're jumping out of sports territory. Like sports is about black and white. Careful. The music industry is about gray area. So you're bringing a lot of gray area into a black and white industry where it's good, it's bad, it's uh, (coughs) aggregated in moments. So I appreciate this one. I think it's very good. Um, But do I think everybody's going to do it? No, I think think they're scared. Yeah, and and they should be scared. Listen, you only go out on the ledge like that if you know you got the talent. You can put someone like uh, Brittany and Tia together, it's going to be a smash. More than likely. Have a nice song. Now, we got to bring this a little closer to home. You yeah. know I love Gotham FC. I think that they're mm-hmm. great. I think that the mm-hmm. things that they're doing are really innovative. It's time for them to have a song. They call New Jersey home. They play at Red Bull Arena. Uh, be sure to go out and support them this year. But if you were to put a New Jersey uh, NWSL anthem together, who are you putting in the track? I mean, you know, right off my head you know the the artists from jersey that i'm thinking are maybe a little too big to get behind this you know queen latifah from new jersey Mm. uh lauren hill from new jersey but those are tough gets we need a deeper cut who's a deeper cut from new jersey 
that would be up for the you know oh. you know it's like i go to nets games all the time yeah. and i'm kind of honestly stunned sometimes by these halftime performers where i'm like who's this like incredibly cool like young woman <laughs> like ripping a fucking electric violin you know and then doing this cool there's all these like great artists everywhere so i think for the new jersey one i'd really like it to be a female artist um it's a tough one I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with something good you seem like by your grin it looks like you got something on the tip of your tongue i got this right a benny horowitz collaboration benny horowitz on drums halsey on vocals who says no uh, everyone. <laughs> See, my initial thought was like, let's just get like Red Man and let's make it super fun or something. But you'd be remiss not to get a female artist yeah. here, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess I guess uh, you've exposed me in the idea that I do not really know what uh, young women in their late teens from New Jersey are listening too, but you know the drums you know the drums I, I think if i nailed this question i you should look at me a little suspect almost you shook you shook sinatra's hand you should know something these things mean something i don't know i know i'm old enough where my first <laughs> train of thought went to queen latif queen latif so. hey, jersey city zone love it or whitney um all right whitney's mount vernon new york isn't she i thought she was jersey I thought she was Mount. I think she grew up in Mount Vernon, mm, maybe born in Newark. Yeah. Well, that's like that's like that's, how Michael Jordan born in in Brooklyn, but no nobody associates Michael. Shaquille O'Neal born in Newark, but didn't not raised there. Shaq on the track hmm, could be interesting. Who knows? Next headline today as we move sl- as we slide into the world of sports, little by little, ladies and gentlemen. Kyrie Irving has won the war. On Thursday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams uh, lifted proof of vaccination requirements for professional athletes and performers working in New York City, uh, which means Irving and other unvaccinated performers can start to get to work. But here's the question. We know that KD, Kyrie are all big on the social capital and what their voice means in this league. Did Kyrie use all of his social capital on not getting vaccinated? I mean, I'd I'd say not really because he never, you know, um, really actively took a path other than like my choice, respect my privacy kind of thing. Like he wasn't actually out there as a an outspoken anti-vax advocate using his platform for that. And I think even though he probably is that, uh, he he played it just cool enough on his social media and stuff like that, that you throw up a 50 point game and a 60 point game. And all of a sudden you're, you're Kobe and Eagle Colorado and nobody gives a shit. Um, and I'm pretty sure that is currently what happened. And I mean, you'd be remiss to say anything, but Kyrie completely won this. Yeah. You know, I mean, he held out, he, he got, you know, he never really asked for James Harden. He's got his team back and uh, and he's going to be able to play in the playoffs. And with the exception of, you know, the um, circumstances that would put him with Toronto or, you know, a surge that would uh, shut New York back down. Um, looks like we're, we're getting Kyrie from the get. And he, he stood his ground and he wound up, uh, you know, getting like half the Fox News crowd on his team in the process. Like, you know, good for you, Kyrie. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of struggling with this one because you know you got a, a couple things at play here, right? You have a guy like Eric Adams who just took office, uh, still kind of yeah. doesn't have uh, you know people got wary of Bill De Blasio and all that stuff. You kind of need to. Listen, I'm I'm not saying that a mayor should like assert their dominance, but I feel like he probably should have like stood his ground on, on this and maybe waited until after the season, kind of be like, like, and but maybe that goes to show that he's like a, a good guy and really has the best interests of the people at heart. So I'm I'm not yeah. so sure what to think about that. That was a, that was a hard one to swallow because like, in a uh, making a statement kind of way. I thought that that might be like an appropriate move too. But like when we really strip it back, do we want politicians making more and more decisions based on like statements? Yeah. Like what I'm trying to say with my political decisions or are you just supposed to use like reason and logic and science? And if that happens to to match up with the timing that Kyrie Irving's packed for the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I guess it did. And it kind of made him look bad and he yeah. probably knew it, but it was also at this moment, like the reasonable thing to do considering, you yeah. know, considering that outside unvaccinated players are coming into the arenas that God knows thousands of unvaccinated people are walking to the arena freely. Like it just, it didn't make any sense yeah. anymore. And it actually didn't. So, where there is a part of me that would enjoy a politician taking a stand against like shitty, what I found to be like red, white and blue patriotic bullshit kind of stuff. I also want my politicians making like reasoned and educated responses yeah. to things. And it seemed like the reasoned and educated response. The whole thing this entire time that the, the people that have been thinking out and putting out the policies are is our mind can change as, as the science advances. Right. And we got to the point during this where uh, it wasn't necessary and the optics were starting, starting to look bad. I mean, you had Kyrie on, on the bench, but he, he couldn't play. So I guess, Hey, Kyrie, take this political capital and hopefully, you know, cause you can't dispute that Kyrie has gained some sort of political capital, even if it was for the wrong reasons here. Yeah, and, and you know, with a guy like that who has made some uh, pretty noble overtures mm. in the past, I do wonder, like, you know, what this ordeal might uh, might bring him to do in the future, you know? Now, if he can use this, kind of mend the bridge with Eric Adams, maybe build a school in, in, in Brooklyn, next thing you know, Something. Kyrie gets a statue outside of the state. Anyway. I mean, listen, between him and Kevin Durant, on just their last two contracts alone are worth half a billion dollars. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, those dudes could do a lot of stuff if they wanted. So, All right, well, we brought up the playoff scenarios, and to kind of round out today's show, we're going to look at it because, Benny, I don't know if you knew this or not, we are under 10 games left in the regular season. Flew by. Absolutely flew by. In the thick. In the thick. All right, so let's start in the East uh, with your Nets, and this is becoming an interesting situation. Obviously, on Wednesday night, the Nets lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, in a game where you had both Kevin Durant and, and, and Kyrie Irving. Uh, the Nets sitting at about 38 and 35 right now, sitting in the eight seed, um, currently right in the thick of the play in, in tournament. So the way, if the season were to end today, it would be seven seed Raptors, eight seed Nets, nine seed Hornets, 10 seed Hawks. 
um, setting up for a potential Nets having to go on the road to Toronto. So um, your outlook for the Nets as we head down the final stretch here. I mean, it's going to be a lot more interesting in a couple days because there's a lot of scenarios that can still happen. Um, the Raptors are a game behind the Cavs for the six seed, and they're two games behind the Bulls for the five seed. So Toronto busts off three games here with Cleveland, you know, working hard but kind of holding on by a thread a little mm. bit. Uh, it, it can change the entire scenario right there. But as far as the Nets are concerned, I mean, we're we're looking pretty locked in to the play-in. Um, I mean, realistically, they're three and a half games back of the six seed, but uh, with everything still going on and getting back up to speed, and probably no Ben Simmons, it would take a real a real tear at the end here to 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 break in. So more realistic than not is going to be them either playing the the Raptors or the Cavs for the one game play-in, sitting in the eight seed, and if they lose playing either one of the Hornets or Hawks. And I like the Nets' chances considering uh, Katie and Kyrie Irving are in tow for at least one of those games to to get in and, you know, play whoever the hell is going to wind up in the one seed. And now, you know, with the Kyrie and the New York thing, I don't know if if you've ever seen a more terrifying uh, seven or eight seed going into the playoffs than right. the Katie Kyrie Irving Nets. Like, you know, if you're the Heat, if you're the Bucks, the Sixers, Celtics, whoever comes up with this one seed, that is uh, the last group you want to see in the first round. My absolute dream here, my absolute dream is to have Philly a, first round. No, no, no. One game, one game to get in the playoffs. Nets, Raptors in Toronto in front. Wait, they don't have. They're like half capacity, right? But everybody's yeah. standing outside it'd be interesting to see how they would try to regulate like like dinosaur the jurassic park district you know right. drake would be sitting courtside uh drake in an arena where you could probably hear things drake going back and forth against kd but by the way kd last couple when did he become this like talker on the court calling everybody too small of course everyone's gonna be too small you're like one of the tallest humans on earth that's crazy to me i'm loving this like <laughs> rebirth of fuck you, KD, we're seeing. And and it's getting to that point, right? Like, uh, do you put the Nets against anyone in the league right now in a one game and rule them out? I mean, I don't rule them out. You can't. Right. You, like, of course, simply you have the best can't. player in the league. Because of him. Yeah. yeah he's, you know, like, and uh, that's why the Kyrie thing is so big. I mean, KD is on that LeBron-type level. Yeah. He can carry a team on his back through anything, and he showed it. Uh, and when you add these other pieces to it, you know, so, but I mean, realistically, like, what do you see coming out of a first round Nets Philly slugfest, which could happen? Oh, I may argue Who gets out of that. I may argue that we don't even get there. Why is that? Because I'm, listen, I'm not, I've been. I've been watching your boys, and and I th listen. I think that game against Toronto is going to be very good. That's all that I'm going to say. You for really right think now. the Nets aren't even going to get through the play? -in. I think that there is a chance because you know the thing is, like KD could go for forty, and you know Fred VanVleet could go for thirty-five, and it kind of balances each other out a little bit. So then you're looking at the rest of the team, and it's like 
Kevin Durant can will the team to victory, but listen, I think people sleep on, on the Raptors, and I think that they kind of have, like, all of this year, they've had their moments in one game. Toronto, I don't know. It's interesting to me. It's super interesting. I mean, I mean, you're right. Like, I could see that game being interesting, but the idea to me of this team, and like I said, one of the games having both players involved, that yeah. would literally mean that they're going to Toronto and losing and then losing at home to either Charlotte or Atlanta. I just don't see those guys losing that game. Well, and wouldn't it go on top of that? Like, you know, where we're talking like Toronto here is a certainty when the bulls are yeah. three and seven over their last 10, they're only two games out of the play in the Cavs have no Jared Allen and are banged up and, and are five and five over their last 10. So, uh, you know, I think there's a good chance yeah. uh, at this point that that we don't even see Toronto yeah. in the play. That's true because you know if, if they go up against the Bulls, like they're going to drop 150 again. So that game, yeah. I'd, I'd and, be very. And confident that's where in. injuries are huge right now and yeah. kind of dictating so much. I mean, like the, the Bulls don't look like they're getting ball back for the playoffs. Mm, the Cavs. Yeah may or may not be getting Jared Allen back for the playoffs. And these are two guys, these are upstart teams that kind of aren't supposed to be there yet. And, you know, they're not, they're not getting to the, these next rounds and next dimensions of the playoffs without the, the full complement yet, you know? The, the crazy thing when, when watching the Nets this season, though, has been like when they play like the top 10 teams in, in defense, they kind of struggle a little yeah. bit. But when they play teams that they can just like hit the gas and go a million miles an hour, I'd take them every single time. And we do have to, uh, something's happened with Patty Mills since yeah, like, the All Star break. Right? It's, uh, it's become a, um, a, an almost non factor at times, which is, which is scary, especially with Curry a little banged up. It's like I booked him for the Fran Fashilla podcast and he hasn't been the same ever since. I, I mean, <laughs> he's still, he still might break the uh, season record for three point shots too, which, Crazy. Is, which is great. Crazy. All right, so we looked at the at the East play in tournament. Let's move over to the West. And you brought up LeBron James, who boy, I think you know, for as interesting as the Eastern Conference play in tournament is, the West play in tournament is super interesting because you have a yeah. team like Minnesota who you got to feel like they're get feel like they're getting screwed. They're like we should be getting a seven game series. That's how well they're playing. You have a a team like the Clippers who is you know they had their moments, but they've kind of they've losers of four straight, falling off. The Lakers don't seem to listen. They're they're fighting every night. Uh, we 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 saw a half rust come back. I don't know. And you have the Pelicans just sitting there in ten with the Spurs biting at, at their heels. So. Mm-hmm. When you look at this and coming out of the Western Conference play-in tournament, do you see a surprise LeBron run in here, or is this Minnesota all the way? No, I mean, like you said, I think Minnesota is the one team that you can really look at this year as, like, just straight getting screwed. But you can also take the fact that, like, uh, the New York Knicks and the Washington Wizards are in the play-in tournament in the Western Conference this year. So, you know, like... This is the first year that the East is actually significantly deeper and the, uh, you know, the bottom parts of the the conferences are, are definitely leaning towards the East, but the Lakers, man, I mean, it, it's hard to see, but they have that same thing. The nets have lying in wait, you know, which is if you can manage to get LeBron James and some version of a healthy Anthony Davis on the court, 
then they're a fucking nightmare in the play-in tournament. Nobody wants to see that because I don't know how well those that team's doing in a series right now, but you know, you start putting your money against LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a one game playoff. Eh, that's tough to bet against. No. So I think the West is so much determined right now by health. Yeah. You know, everybody literally is, is eking on to, to certain things. And it's kind of giving me the idea that the West is not only one of the most winnable uh, conferences it's been in a while, um, but it also adds to that chance that, uh, as you said, Minnesota, who's 10 games above 500, could go on a great run. Clippers have Paul George working out again and and kind of a nice uh, compliment uh, and good, solid 500 basketball team without him. And you start adding a piece like that. It doesn't look like Kawhi is going to be back. And then the Lakers element. So, and then you look at the top and, you know, the Warriors just bring back Draymond Green and they lose Steph Curry. Uh, the Nuggets lose Jokic for a while, and they they might even get themselves knocked out of the six seed as a result. Suns are still trying to get Chris Paul back. Memphis is going without John Morant for a while. Dallas lost Luka for a game or two. It's like every single one of these teams towards the top of the conference is showing a hole that would allow one of these teams to break through in any kind of series. So the West right now, uh, because of the injury thing, uh, has made it like so wide open to me. The West, on, on the whole, I, I'm a firm believer that this is the Suns' thing to lose. I mean, like you kind of see Devin Booker's attitude. Heck, he's chirping oh, yeah. he's at chippy. fans now. He's chirping at fans now. He got so close to the mountaintop and only to have that drawn out from them. But, you know, with, listen, anytime someone's hurt, surprises happen, and it it, it comes down to, this Lakers team is terrible, but a lot can be forgiven if, if LeBron wants to turn back the clock a little bit here. Well, I mean, it's it's the same thing as Kevin Durant. It's like we've been watching basketball long enough. Do you bet against LeBron James in a one-game playoff? No. No? Because when he decides to do everything one game, he can do everything. And not just uh, you know metaphorically carry a team on his back like actually carry a team on his back we've seen it and i i don't really believe in this russ resurgence here you know what the, the shot the, the shot has to drop 28 <laughs> yeah. yeah. of the time you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> uh, so <laughs> every once in a while it's gonna go yeah in. yeah you know even a blind squirrel gets enough but yeah no nothing that i've seen listen this memphis team i think that they could make a run but when it comes down to all of this i like a, a team that's been there before young stars and phoenix but i i really think this is the best chance in a long time for this central of the pack section of the western conference yeah. to break through and it wouldn't shock me this year if you're gonna see a utah or denver in the in the finals utah would shock me but i think Denver's getting close to having Murray back by the playoffs. Maybe yeah, not in the in, in the first round, but maybe the second. I think that they can take care of business in the first round, and then that would make things a whole heck of a lot more interesting. Don't sleep on my boy Bones. By the way, I just got Bones. Asked, I I gotta ask you this question, and and it's something yeah. that you've heard people talk a lot about this week when it comes to like TV rights and and everything. Have I ever been nicknamed Bones before? No. Yes, I have. Okay, well there you go. 
That's your breaking news about Benny from the tune-up. Um, All right, what, what do you need? What do you need? So what do you, you get a lot of NBA fans that don't actually watch the games, and they kind of consume the content view, view, uh, via second screens and, and mm-hmm. Twitter and keeping track of the news. That's what people love about the NBA. It's kind of tough when your regular season, in essence, doesn't matter, uh, and people stop tuning in to try to get the bag when it comes to these like rights deals and stuff like that. Do you think the NBA is kind of in, in trouble here that a, a, a lot of fans uh, consume it uh, through ways that the league doesn't make money through Twitter, Instagram, and like like social media and stuff like that, that, that they've almost made a, a property that is better when you're not watching it on TV? Uh, maybe as you said for like the regular season, but, um, no, I think if anything, it's like, it's like what streaming music did for music, you Mm. know, even though in the moment a couple people are getting ripped off probably means a lot more people are into music. And I think, uh, highlight culture and like, you know, ball is life culture has allowed us to kind of, uh, market superstars like way before, um, they even make it to the league. You know what I mean? If you're following this stuff closely, like you seriously know these people when they're in high school, you know where they're going to go to college, if they're going to go to college, you watch like, so, you know, I think as far as a marketing thing is concerned, it may hurt teams and it may hurt the team sport element of the NBA. But I think on the whole, as like an entertainment product, it probably makes it bigger. Yeah, I I, I kind of wonder about this because you need the TV money, like the big time, like almost billion dollar TV contracts to kind of pay these guys. And if if places like ESPN and and Turner feel like they're not getting as much bang for their buck as they once did, it kind of doesn't matter how big your superstars are. Like if you wanted to be a, a superstar, I guess you could just be a like influencer it's the basketball that kind of pays you i don't know i just think it's I, an and i thing. think you're probably onto something and i think it's the reason why you're going to see the implementation of this mid-season tor- the mid-season mm. tournament soon um and the reason even somebody like me is starting to warm up to it you know because like you need more high pressure situations for these guys to be in especially during the regular season and you know it might seem superfluous at first, but say two out of the first three years of this midseason tournament, uh, you know, like a random team wins it. The L.A. Clippers win it. The, you know, fucking Chicago Bulls win it. Somebody like that. Like all of a sudden you have something going there. You have a rivalry. You have a team that seems to play each other every year in this tournament. And then it kind of gets people a little more life. So I think... Uh, I think you're on to something and you're correct. And I think the NBA sees it too. And things like that are the attempt to solve it. Yeah, but I mean, like they built up 75 years of we have one championship. And fans know when they, they're being lied to. Hence why MLS is not as popular as the EPL. Like they know when they're getting like a faulty BS product. I don't know. I just thought. But like, the other answer is a shorter season. Yeah. Which should happen. But, but then the, the TV revenue because it's less games. And that's what the owners exactly. are terrified of. Exactly. So it's, it's been stuck in this, that rut forever between what we know is a better product and what the people who own the product will know maximize their money, you know? Hmm. All right. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz1. I'm doing this early. Number one in your mind. Number one in your heart. Number one on Twitter. 
Follow all of the social accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the Tuneup HQ. I am on Twitter at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, root for my fantasy basketball teams. And as I said earlier, fuck Deshaun Watson. Last chance again. Anything? <laughs> movies? Squares? Oh, m- uh, movies? Yeah. No, Cinderella. Squares. Do you want me to oh give a... Oh, my God. The show is ended. Going reference of somebody waking up. You've been listening to the tune-up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>